Are you a counsellor or a psychotherapist wanting to attract more clients more simply? Then you, lovely person, are in the right place because I'm here to help you navigate marketing and remove any confusion and overwhelm that you might feel. Oh, and ditch that critical, nagging inner voice too. So each week I'll offer you inspiration, motivation and practical advice so you can get your marketing done and then get on with your life. I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hi and welcome to today's episode and today we've got a really special guest and I know that you're going to enjoy this one. Now, the term journey is vastly overused on reality TV, but I think it's appropriate here because today we're going to be talking to Zoe Clements about how she went from being a general counsellor and not believing she could even write to producing amazing, unique blogs. And not only that, then publishing her own book. So today we take a look at the process that she went through to find her niche. We look at how blogging has helped her to develop her unique voice and style. We look at why she chose Instagram as a social media platform. And we also look at what inspired her to start the huge undertaking of writing a book. Now, I've known Zoe for quite a while, and she's a valued member of the Grow Your Private Practice Club. And I've seen her go from not believing she could write to finding her own unique and funny voice. I think you're going to enjoy this one. So welcome to the podcast, Zoe. It's really, really lovely to have you here. For the benefit of anybody that doesn't know you, would you like to just introduce yourself for us? Sure, yeah, it's really lovely to be here. So I'm Zoe Clements. I'm a counsellor specialising in anxiety. Um, I started training in about 2003, lots of experience working in schools, private practice, charities, and I've settled down into private practice over the last seven years, and I've just written my first book. Which is really fantastic we're going to talk about your book a little bit later but it's called I should be fine all about anxiety and overthinking it's a really really good book so before we get started I wonder if you can sort of talk us through sort of choosing a niche because choosing a niche is one of those things that so many people really struggle with there's a worry that if they choose a niche it's going to make what they you know the people that that they see um they don't get the variety. That's what I think they're worried about. They're not going to get the variety of the, the, the clients that they see or that it's mm-hmm. going to hamper them. But certainly for you, it seems to have really opened things up. So how did you sort of find your niche? What what was your process? So it was, it was quite a long process, to be honest. I came out of training wanting to try everything. I realized there was so many different types of placements, so many different types of clients, so many different types of issues to work with. And I didn't know what I wanted to specialise in. So I, I just tried different things. So I worked in primary schools, secondary schools, worked for charities, worked for adult IAP service, and then settled down into private practice and worked quite generically and got to a point where I was like, what what now? What, what do I want to do now? And... That's when I started to engage in the Facebook group, Grow Your Own Private Practice, and noticed you were a business coach and got a little bit of coaching to help me work out what next. 
And I think it was you that asked the question, uh, what about, have you thought about a niche? Uh, my brain went to, I think what everybody's brain goes to, well, what if that narrows down the amount of people that come and see me? Mm. And you're kind of like, well, I think it may help you stand out from a crowd. And then I started to get really excited because I was like, well, I've got all this experience, but what, what do I really love working with? And anxiety came to mind straight away. Like I really, really love helping people soothe anxiety. And I really love working with that negative voice in people's heads. I really love getting to know that personality. So they, those were the two things that came to mind straight away. And then I just kind of started to explore more well, what, what's underneath kind of what, what, what goes in, into that niche. And um, so the niche now is I help people uh, soothe that negative voice in their head, ease their anxiety, and I help them kind of empty their emotional buckets, help them with um, people pleasing. So it's, it's been a long journey to get to the point of a niche, but it's been, it's been really, really worthwhile journey. Hmm. I think I think that's so important, isn't it, to know that it can take a while to really settle into the work to the to work out the thing that you really feel so passionate about doing. And I think we can, as you say, as a counsellor, so many different types of issues, so many different theories and models that we can use, so many different things that we could learn. And very often we want to learn everything. But I think in private practice, it's about stopping and saying, right, okay, is that actually going to help me with my business? Do I have to do it now? So if we can, I think we still have the capacity to do all of the different trainings and learn about all the different things. But if we have a niche to start with, then we can use the learning from those trainings to kind of, to grow the niche, to grow the, the, the work that you do within that niche. Yes, so having a niche is has massively helped me in so many different ways firstly it's been it's it's brought a lot more joy to my work okay I really, really yeah I'm really I'm really really passionate about helping people with anxiety and helping with that with overthinking I love seeing people like really hush that negative voice and be able to really kind of live life to their full potential I, I absolutely love doing that um I think you make a really good point there Zoe when we're working in fact I put a post on on Instagram just yesterday when you're working with the things that you love doing then that passion really shines through and it makes everything a joy it makes you marketing something that you really can get into it makes everything you do is all sort of informed by this passion that you have and that makes that's a game changer I think when you have that passion, it really drives you. Yeah, it, it just, it gave me so much more energy for my marketing. So, I mean, let's face it, sometimes marketing can can feel a little bit forced or difficult. But if if you've got the energy around the subject and you're passionate about it, it makes it a lot easier to create that content. So it's made creating my posts on Instagram a lot easier and it's made blogging easier and of course it's helped me write a book yeah it kind of stops marketing from being like a ticky box exercise like got to do marketing tick done it to be something that's like for for me anyway it made me more creative my mind would be thinking right I want to get across something 
what would be a really good way of doing that in a really simple, easy way? And I loved that creativity that it gave me. And I see that creativity in you, <laughs> in everything that you do. What I absolutely love is that you have your own distinct voice now that I think you originally started with blogging, but kind of it goes now through everything you do. Yeah. So in your, I mean, you really started with blogging and content creating. So what, what was it that really made you choose to do blogging? Do you remember? It was probably ages ago now. Yeah. So I think it's, again, it's been a long journey. So I'm, I'm on my third version of my website. So over the last so seven years ago, I started out in private practice. And the first version of my website was, um, it was pretty generic. It was, I think it's the first page was, there's many things in life that knock you off your feet. Um, it can cause anxiety, depression, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm a counsellor, I can help. And it was, the colours were red and black. And it did the job. It got, um, it attracted clients and I started to grow my practice. And when I got to that kind of point of, well, what next? And I decided on uh, a niche. I then created my next website and that had more of a voice. That was, okay, so these are the areas I'm working on. This is, these are the pain points. This is how you may feel at the end of counselling. I had some branded colours and some branded fonts. So I guess that kind of style was starting to come through. But it wasn't until I started blogging that I really was able to find my voice. And again, I think that was completely your fault because um, when I had some coaching, I was in the Grey Rain Private Practice Club. You're like, why don't you try blogging? And I was like, mm, I don't know. I'd always had this kind of belief that I wasn't creative at all. And you were like, you can do it. You can, you can try. And you really kind of helped me um, believe that I could do it. But you also gave me the tools to be able to do it. You... It's a bit like doing a, um, you know, when you're starting to run, you do like a couch to 10K. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit like that. You gave me a course which showed me how to basically go from not writing to writing. And as I went on that kind of journey of naught to 10K, I started to develop this kind of voice. Um, my blog started to take on their own kind of personality I wanted to be credible in the blog, but I also wanted it to be approachable. So I wanted potential clients who were anxious to read the blog and think, okay, she knows what she's talking about, but also that she's someone that I could sit opposite and talk to. Um, so in order to be approachable, I started to tell stories and the stories included illustrations. So that was really interesting. I started to put illustrations in to make a point and then illustrations in to start bringing some humour to it. And then I started to add a little bit of self-disclosure, not too much, but enough to bring the blog alive, the content alive. And over time, as I started to release blogs, this voice became louder. This kind of style came out, this creativity came out. And I loved it. I found going from um, never having really written and never thinking I could write, because I was thinking in my book, I tell the story of um, at the age of eight, my um, English teacher was pretty um, derogatory about my spelling, and my parents were really um, 
I guess quite judgmental about it and it's really shaming for me so I never really thought I could write or do anything creative so suddenly at the age of 40 to find that I could write and create this voice it's just been brilliant and that's what's helped me to go on to write a book. Uh, it's just so amazing I mean I always say that if you can talk you can write I think I think there are plenty of people unfortunately who have similar stories of somebody in the past putting a spanner in the works that maybe just a comment that just makes people think oh I can't do that this is not something I can do and it's just not true because like I say if you can talk you can write and I love what you say about trying to make your blogs be so that somebody reading it would think yes I could sit with this person and talk and that really is that's key we're not just writing for the sake of it I mean obviously we want to help people and all the rest of it but you know when somebody lands on a website we want people to be helped but we want to let people know that we know what we're talking about we can help we're approachable we're human and I think that the way that you do your blogs is just so it's kind of light-hearted and I think the big thing for me has always been there's no psychobabble, you know, I'm not having to get my dictionary out to try and work out what you're trying to say. It's really easy to read and you read it quite, quite quickly and you can take it in without having to use like huge amounts of brain power. It's an easy read. Your book's an easy read, but your blogs are an easy read and your, your social media posts are an easy read. And I think finding your voice helps to stop it from being the massive heavy chore that it could be if we were trying to be like writing articles as it were mm. it, it was so important to me to not be psychobabbly and not be the I guess the the, the professional counsellor with all this like knowledge and I want, really wanted to be approachable and and I'm really thinking about my clients, my ideal clients who have this like voice in their head, which is like relentless and the anxiety, which makes them really tense. The last thing that they need to read is something really psychobabbly. They, yeah. they don't need more pressure on their brain and on their body. Something that's easy to read, that's practical, that's warm, that relaxes them as they read it so they can take it in. That's To me, that's the... A really helpful way of of engaging with mm. people that are reading the blogs. It's, it's, a, it's a more it's a more helpful. And I can't do psychobabble myself. If like some of these re- really heavy books, I mean, some people love them. Great for me, psychobabble doesn't work. I like a really good story, uh, a humorous story, a moving story that really puts across a point. And I think people learn better that way. I certainly do. Absolutely, I'm exactly the same. It's like you know, we know what these words are. But it, it makes me stop and just in my head go, oh, yeah, that means whatever. So it kind of stops the reading process for me. I have to then sort of, I, I kind of stop and just have a little, oh, yeah, that means whatever. And it, it, it just, it's not that sitting with somebody over a coffee chat sort of thing. And I suppose the tip I always have when it comes to writing anything, website, blog, social media, read it out loud. I always say this. I always do it myself. If you read it out loud, you'll notice any words that are a bit jarring. You'll notice any words that aren't you. Because we all have a way of speaking. Mm. And I think that helps us to be 
I think that helps us to find our voice. I know very often people say, I can't find my voice and I'm, I'm just coming across a bit stilted. It's just being able to use the words that you'd use if you are having a chat. And you do that so beautifully in the way that you write. Mm. It, it just comes across just so natural. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I mean, like I say, it's, it's taken time. It's, it's, I think there are a few shoulds in my brain about how I should be writing and how I should come across. And I tried that and it just feels so unnatural. And I just write so much better when I'm authentic and, and me. Yeah, um, I know so, some counsellors, therapists are a little bit hesitant about self-disclosure, but for me, that's worked. That's to put a little bit of vulnerability into my writing, um, I think helps a potential client, a reader, step into their vulnerability. Yeah. That's not, it's not something I do in the counselling room. Yeah, it's not. But in a book, it's really helpful to bring the content alive. And I think in a blog post, it can be really helpful too. Yeah, I think that personal disclosure is something, again, that makes people because throughout our training as a counsellor, we're told personal disclosure is bad. You mustn't disclose anything at all, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely right in the counselling room. Of course, Mm -hmm. we shouldn't in the counselling room. It's not appropriate. But we're not in the counselling room. We're outside of the counselling room. And I think as private practitioners, if we hide away and think, oh, crikey, I can't say anything and I've just got to, you know, post quotes on everything and hide, we don't have the chance to connect with people. Or rather, more importantly, other people don't have the chance to connect with us. And Mm -hmm. I think that people come to, people, people buy or use the services of people they know, like and trust And I think that the way that you write, the way that you post means that people get a sense of who you are. So people will start to and do start to and have started to know, like and trust you just because of the way that you're quite natural in what you write. And you do disclose. But I don't I haven't seen in I haven't read fully read your book. I have to say I've dipped in and out of it. But I don't see a huge amount of personal disclosure on your social media. I know that you talk about your dog, which is brilliant. We see Paddy the dog regularly. Paddy, my Cavapoo teddy dog. Yeah, he, he appears in the book as well. In, I actually use him to, um, to uh, describe neuroscience in the brain and how it works. I use my dog and uh, how, he, how the dog creates pathways in my garden through his squirrel hunting. So <laughs> <laughs> I know that might sound a bit bizarre, but... There are plenty of books which explain neuroscience with long, long words, which I definitely can't spell. Um, (laughs) Using stories about my dog, uh, my life, especially in the book, was really helpful to bring the content to life. Um, I go a little bit more deeper into self-disclosure in the book, which was actually a really vulnerable process to go through. But I just didn't want to use any client material. I, I really didn't want to break client confidentiality or ask any clients to put material in there because I didn't think that was right but I think in a book to bring content alive to bring content around anxiety overthinking people pleasing alive there needs to be some kind of material so I kind of yeah stepped into my vulnerability added some of my own challenges with um, overthinking and anxiety Um, sent it out to some beta readers first so I really wanted to make sure that 
um, there was a good balance and it wasn't too overly self-disclosing. And the beta readers loved it. They said it really set it apart from other books in its genre because there were some great examples and those examples were uh, moving and humorous and made them cry at points and it really helped them to learn and to really integrate into their life. So, yeah, it's self-disclosure is something that definitely needs to be thought about. It's not something that's done in the room very much and that's absolutely right. But I think in writing whether it be blogs or books, it's very much down to the person writing to work out what they're comfortable with sharing. And it really doesn't have to be something deep. It, like it can be something about a pet or someone's garden, but showing something of um, your identity, your authenticity, I think is, yeah, like you say, really good to help clients get a sense of you yeah, and to take away that kind of professional mask and helps build up that kind of, no like trust um, helps you helps relate and helps them kind of pick up the phone and go actually can you help me with this so it really does a help attract clients yeah absolutely and you're totally right you can you can choose how much or how little that you share but really that I suppose it's not about what we share about our personal lives it's what we share just about our personality as much as anything you know is this person going to be approachable is this person friendly would I feel comfortable like you say would I feel comfortable sitting in a room with them and talking about these things yeah. and we can share that just by sharing our personality which isn't even a person a personal disclosure thing yeah that's only what they'll see anyway if they come to you as a counsellor yeah. so allowing ourselves just to find our voice and share it whether that's humorous whether that's serious doesn't matter it's just whatever you are yeah. And I think it's about having the courage to do that. It can take a little bit of courage, can't it, to to write something that's more personal from the heart than to write something that's more like an article. Yeah, I think um, like all humans have that negative voice in their head, which um, kind of like tries to pull them back from being their authentic selves in the world. It's like, what will people think of me if you know I'm a counsellor and I make a joke about something. Um, so it can be really difficult to get past I guess, the anxiety of that voice. But if we really kind of embrace who we are, what we do, and be our authentic selves, it's such a good feeling to do that, isn't it? <laughs> it's um, to write from the heart to be who we are. I mean, what, what a great example to give to clients. Mm. Because that's what everybody wants to be, isn't it? Everyone wants to be themselves and be accepted in the world. So if we can accept ourselves and be ourselves in our blogs and how we write, obviously with um, with a caveat of keeping it about you know the issues that we work with and not over disclosing or being too much about ourselves. But if you can get the right balance, be yourself. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a balance. And I think that that's something that you, you've worked that balance out as you go along, because mm. if you write something, and if there's a part of it that goes, oh, crikey, is that okay? Then you have to do a little bit of process work of, right, what's going on here? What am I really worrying about? 
and you can work out yourself whether you want to keep that in or not. It literally is your choice, isn't it? No, you know, we, neither of us are saying you should go out there and write about your personal stuff, but it's more about working out what does feel comfortable for you and why you might feel uncomfortable about that. And is, you know, just doing a little bit of work around that. Does that make sense? There is definitely oh, yeah. a balance between um, sharing too much and sharing too little. And it's very much up to each person to work out what they're willing to share and to ensure that they're aware of why they're doing it. And it's not about sharing, oversharing. It's about working out, can they share a little snippet of something about their life or their dog's life or share a bit of their personality to bring the content alive to help someone learn or to connect yeah. with someone? Because that's completely the point. We're not doing this because we want to be, I don't know, just just share everything. We're not doing this because we want it all to be about us. We're sharing something that's as an example that that makes a point. You know, we're mm. not saying, oh, this is what happened to me. Look at my life. That's mm. not what it's about at all. It's about, right, if I want to talk about a particular subject, is there a small story? Is there a little thing in my life that I can share that would help to get that point across? Mm. And that's the difference. It's not personal disclosure for the sake of it. It's like, is this, would this small thing that I've learned make a difference to the person reading it? Would this help them? And I think that's, that's the, the bit that sometimes gets a little bit lost in personal disclosure when people worry about it, because it literally isn't us going, hey, look at me, look at me, look at my life, look what I did. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's literally about, right, I want, I want to help someone with this thing. I had this once happen in my life. I wonder if I can find a way of sharing that story that feels comfortable for me, but will also help them. And then that that's that's the point we're trying, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to just help the reader, really, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, very much so. In my book, I work a lot with overthinking and um, help the reader get up close and personal with the personality of their negative voice. So to help them do this, I, there's a few exercises that I do, like naming that negative voice, helping them describe it, and also helping them understand all the different unhelpful types of thoughts that that part has. And that could be a little bit dry, couldn't it, really? That content could be a little bit dry. So to bring it to life, um, I introduce him to Brian. And Brian um, is the tortoise that lives inside my head, who is my personality, the, the personality of my negative voice. So I don't go into like the origins of and my childhood and ha how it all came about, and I, but I give this snippet of Brian to help bring those exercises to life, to help them get to know that voice in their head, and also to help them understand that everybody has that kind of a negative voice in their head. So it's it's like whenever I tell anyone about Brian, it always makes them smile. <laughs> absolutely and if you if you don't follow um zoe i really recommend that you go and check out her instagram what's your instagram handle zoe we'll i'll put it on the links below but do you want to so it's at zoe clements counselor right okay go and check zoe out you'll see brian and also please check out her <laughs> blogs because her blogs have all these just amazing it's got amazing graphics and is it all just done on canva yeah, yeah, I've, I've got a bit, bit of a Canva addiction, to be honest. <laughs> I love it. Like, I could spend hours on Canva. It's just so much fun. I, like, um, 
I could, honestly, as a child, I was told I was not creative at all. And then I found Canva and it's just brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. It's, I find it really playful, joyful, creative, lots of fun. It's fantastic. For anybody who doesn't know what Canva is, Canva is, it's a like a graphic design tool. There's a free version and there's a paid version. So you can certainly get the free, the free can't speak. You can get the free version, but it is fantastic. I'm on it every, I've got the paid version, but I'm on it literally every day, every single day. It's fantastic. I love the creativity. And I suppose that's one of the reasons I like Instagram because it does have a, that element of creativity, which is fantastic for you because you have all these like really creative visuals of pictures of um, the dog Paddy pictures of Brian pictures of the brain you use a picture of a brain very often don't you a little like a little cartoon brain that's got legs and (laughs) it's just just really fun and that's that like lends itself really well to Instagram yeah yeah but again it's been a process so I started out on all the social medias. I've got a Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, business group. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. And I tried them all because I wanted, like, well, there's just, I should be on them all. And then realized, actually, some of them I just find it really difficult to be on. So for me, Instagram, I personally really like. And again, because I personally really like it, it gives me more energy to be on it. Yeah. So I, I love the the graphics, the creativity of, of putting up a post and the graphics being there. And then underneath I can put a story to bring the content alive. And that's, that really works for me. So I can, I can write blogs, I can write Instagram stories, I can write a 55,000 word book. But if you put me on Twitter and I've got like 200 characters, yeah. I'm like paralyzed. I can't, <laughs> I can't write to write. ages I'm like maybe I should just I should be able to do Twitter like it's only a few characters but I just couldn't do it and you know that's the brilliance of humans we're all different aren't we some people absolutely love Twitter and thrive like I can't be doing with Instagram so I think really again finding what what works for you is so is so helpful oh I just couldn't agree with you more I say this to like everybody choose one social media platform the one that you like being on most because often people say go to the place where your clients are well your clients are everywhere these days they're literally everywhere so choose the one that you like best just get really good at it on that one platform because there's so much you can learn about each of the platforms Mm. but yeah just enjoy it enjoy it as much as you can because the more you enjoy it the more you're going to do it it's it's not just a tick box exercise then is it Mm. and to, to grow with it, I think, is really important. Like, just start experimenting. That's my advice. Start experimenting. See what you like doing. And then and then slowly start to grow. Like, I, I use a lot of posts on Instagram. I've started to use the stories. haven't done much video content, so that's going to be my next challenge, trying to do, do some video stuff. And yeah. I might love it. I might not. But I'm going to see if I can make it creative and see if I can make it work in my style and experiment with it and that could be really helpful for for me to grow my Instagram voice yeah I mean I like to have little projects to do so it might I'll maybe have a quarterly project so I might say right my quarterly project would be 
to do start learning how to do more video because I don't I don't do a lot of video content I suppose what I want to say really is if you hate doing something just don't do it put yourself don't put yourself under pressure to do it yeah but I might say right okay I'm going to give it a go and then I'll really concentrate over the whole of that period of time whatever it is whether it's a month or a quarter and make that a real focus and give it my best shot and then Mm -hmm. rather than trying to do it a little bit I find that helps me so similar to you of saying right okay I'm really gonna just focus on it for a while because what we focus on is is what improves isn't it there's a a saying isn't there what we what we focus on improves so if we focus on doing something then it's naturally going to improve yeah and I think there's something about when you first start in private practice it can be so overwhelming there's so many so much different ways to market there's so much to learn um so I think it's just about taking your time and just seeing it as a journey and trying new things experimenting see what you like see what what works what doesn't work and just keep keep trying really just keep keep learning and forward keep an open mind and stay curious I think that's it if you can stay curious and go all right okay that didn't work I wonder why that is then you move forward don't you so stay curious and think oh I wonder if this will work I wonder if that will work and that for me is what makes marketing fun I mean I, I like marketing because I find it really creative and for me I find that it can be just such a a fun thing to do if we can be brave and let go of that I've got to do this it should be this it should be that and be brave and find our voice then you can start having fun with it and then it becomes it's a game changer then isn't it Mm. but also be be kind to yourself like there's there's something about being curious but there's also like just taking one step at a time so for me I think social media there's a new this is a new social media platform called clubhouse which is more kind of around listening and uh, more it seems more kind of podcasty and I'm just like at the moment I can't think about a new new social media channel I'm like I'm just going to like acknowledge there's something new out there and just leave it there so there's a there's a time and a place for curiosity I think pick something like say focus on that and learn and then move on to something else. But don't don't overwhelm yourself with everything. Concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So writing a book is a massive undertaking. Obviously, I wrote my book, Go Grey Private Practice. <laughs> Quick plug. But writing a book is a really massive undertaking. And it's not something we do lightly. It takes a lot of work, a lot of energy, a lot of blood, sweat and tears as well. well. And and I think, I mean, you're, you're clearly kind of an expert in overthinking and imposter syndrome for me certainly was a massive thing. So given that it is such a big undertaking, what do you think it was that really made you want to invest your time and energy into writing a book what was what was the driving force behind that um well you are right it 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 is a huge amount of time and energy and effort to do it and especially in the last three months I was like why why am I doing this um so if we go go back about 18 months I'd been in my niche for quite a long time and I started to notice that although many of my clients obviously had very different upbringings and very unique stories 
many of them shared the same kind of aha moments in the counselling room. So aha moments are kind of like those moments where someone gains new insight, new awareness, understands like a technique or practice, and they integrate that into their life. And there's a little shift. And those little shifts then kind of ripple out into the world. That shift in a relationship, shift in the way that thinking affects someone else, affects someone else. And I was like, if I could put all these aha moments together somewhere, then I could help more people and create more ripples. So that was the grand idea. So I was thinking about how, how the means to do it. And like, books are brilliant for, for doing that. Like, they basically have um, so much more, so much information in that can really reach lots of different people. So that's kind of like the background to it. And I was really fortunate at the time where I had lots of cheerleaders for support. So my wife was very supportive. So I had some space in my life to write a book and to dedicate to it and decided to, to go for it. And it's been 80 months. There's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears, a lot of energy, a lot of investment. I basically poured my heart and soul into it, my experience. And I'm really proud of the outcome. It's a relief to get it out there. It's, it's been received really well. Got to get some really great feedback. Um, started to help people, um, which is what I really wanted it to do. It's started to reach people that are in counselling and also people that don't necessarily want to go to counselling but want to work on these issues. And for me personally, it's been awesome. Like I've loved writing. It's been such a great experience. And professionally, it's it's just created so much opportunity for me. It's It's given me so much content that, that I could write social media for <laughs> years now. Forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> You're dining out on this forever. Um, it's given me passive income. It's given me opportunities because I can now go on to maybe write a workbook around it, um, do some online courses as well. And, of course, it's given me credibility yeah. because I think people really recognise that it's hard to write a book, that yeah. it does take like perseverance and you need to have something to talk about and something that's worthwhile talking about and and your own way of talking about it yeah yeah so that credibility that comes from my practice um that's yeah like I say I'm going to dine out on this for forever but there's another thing as well it's kind of putting two fingers up at all those people that might have said you can't write because it's like yeah think you can't write (laughs) look at this baby <laughs> I've got a book with my name on it I mean there's there's that that's quite nice oh, well, yeah yeah that, I mean there, I've had various people in my life be be pretty rude about my level of spelling and um, grammar and do you know what my, my spelling and grammar is still terrible don't let that put you off uh, buying the book it's it's been edited <laughs> and proofread to an inch of its life and it is beautiful um, yeah I still I still struggle with that, but at the end of the day, there are people that can help with that, but people can't, can't tell a story. Everybody has their own story within them. Everybody has their own style. Nobody else can do that for you. So, Well, that's absolutely right. If you, I mean, if you struggle with spelling or grammar, 
please don't let that put you off getting started writing because you've got things like Grammarly, which is free, that will check your spelling and grammar for you. If you're going to do a book, you can pay someone to look at it for you. There are dyslexic people that write. You know, you don't, don't let the fact that you've got something going on that makes you say, I can't write because I can't do this, because there's always a way around it. There are always people like, you You know, you, when you do a book, you get beta readers, don't you? And you say, can you have a read and just check it out for me? So you kind of, there's always people out there. So anything that you struggle with, there's always somebody else out there that's really good at that thing. So it's like with me, I'm not very tidy, but there's people out there that love tidying. And it's like when I first came on to talking with you today, I was saying, oh, God, I've got to do this stuff like my, my accounts and it makes me want to cry. And you're like, I love maths. It's, it's like, you know, for, for everybody like me that hates doing anything to do with maths, there's some weirdo like you that loves it. I can't get my head around it. My bookkeeper, I can remember saying, oh, you know, I, I cry every time I do my tax return. And she's like, there was one time there was a bit she couldn't get to add up in my in my um, bookkeeping. And I was like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she was like, no, I love it. I love being able to work out what's going on. And for me, it's like, that sounds like the my idea of absolute hell. So that, what I'm trying to say in a very long-winded way is don't let the fact that you're not brilliant at spelling stop you because that's not what it's about. It's about the ideas that are in your head that's what people buy a book for and mm. all the rest of yeah very 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 much so the I don't know if this is a funny story or not but um so I spent a long time getting my draft together for the book um and then did some editing and it got to the point where it was flowing really nicely I had the content and the stories in and I wanted to get it out to beta readers to get their feedback on um on the content and self-disclosure it's like did it flow? Things like that. And uh, <laughs> sent it out there. And one of my beta readers, who was awesome, was, was, gave me some great feedback, some really good pointers on little things that I needed to change, but was also like, so your spelling's not not great. And there's, there's some, some grammatical errors. She's like, do you want to give me a call? We can go through them. And we went through them and there were like 236. <laughs> 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 You know, like little me, little Zoe, who had, you know, a lot of shame around that spelling could have, that could have been really painful. But I've done enough work on myself to know, you know, that is not my sweet spot. I love writing. I can do stories, spelling I can't do. Um, So after beta reading, I got got a brilliant editor who know, you know, English English like degree like all the proofreading skills like it's an actual profession editing is and getting getting like getting grammar good so yeah there's people out there that can do that stuff but there's no one out there that's you there's no one out there that's had your experience there's no one else out there that's got your unique voice so yeah I say share that with the world and get someone to do your proofreading for you perfect absolutely I literally couldn't agree with you more I literally couldn't agree with you. I think there are even people out there, right? If you dictated it, if you dictated it, then people would then type it up. Mm. You know, there's, there's there's an answer to everything. So yeah, get your voice out there. That's what I say. And even, even with blogs, if you're like a little bit worried about your spelling or grammar blogs, you can go on something like Fiverr. And there's people on there that like uh, five pounds, ten pounds, they'll they'll review it for you and make make the changes. So. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I think that's one of those things where that's where some personal development work comes in because that's like, oh, I wonder why I'm stopping myself because there is always a way around. There is always mm-hmm. a way to get to what you want to do. So mm-hmm. sometimes we have to just stop and say, right, is this, is this real or is this me self-sabotaging in some way? Am mm-hmm. I, I suppose I'm thinking of you, overthinking, you know, because yeah. obviously that's that's what your niche is working with people who overthink is there a bit of overthinking here about what might happen if and that's stopping us it's all self-sabotage really isn't it yeah yeah I think overthinking leads to self-doubt people have beliefs about themselves about things they can and can't do um, and that leads them to hold themselves back and that means unfortunately we don't get to see understand what's in their brain what what's in their heart we don't get to see those blogs or those books and yeah anyone who's listening we really want to shatter those beliefs for them like try like do like a like a course like you've got in greater in private practice do that not to 10k couch to to running try blogging it doesn't have to be groundbreaking I think my first blog was seven ways to manage anxiety and that was it like just just try and I think the hardest thing of writing my first blog was pressing the publish button I was like (gasps) press the publish button and then you kind of like wait for feedback and and people like yeah it's good and gave me some kind of feedback and that helped me improve and each one I've kind of grown a little bit with so just just try that's my advice just try yeah perfect absolutely perfect that's a perfect way for us to finish I think actually Zoe so your book, But I Should Be Fine, is available on Amazon. Now, who is an ideal person to read this? I think I'm an ideal person to read this because I know I overthink for sure and I get anxiety for sure. Who, who is your ideal sort of reader? So the, the title for the book came because um, I've had many clients sit down opposite me and say, I haven't had any trauma in my past. There's no horrific incident and there are loads of people worse off than me so I should be fine but I just can't stop overthinking like my brain just keeps ruminating and there's this really negative voice in my head and I feel anxious and I've been feeling like this for a while and that's why I've come to counselling and I think there's many people out there that can relate to that they may not have had a traumatic experience in the past, anything horrific, but they're really aware of that negative voice, that voice has grown into a monster or is really critical or says lots of shoulds at them. And I really wanted to write a book which could help people. So some, some, some of those people may be experiencing anxiety, overthinking, they may not want to go to counselling. So I really wanted to reach people in counselling and outside of counselling. So if you identify with overthinking, anxiety, um, you feel a little bit overwhelmed, you're stuck in people-pleasing mode and you're experiencing self-doubt, then this book can really help. It's, um, it follows a kind of journey of uh, helping you understand why, why your brain might be overthinking and why you have anxiety. All humans have a negative voice and there's, there's reasons why um, that negative voice grows into a monster. So that's really helpful, can make us all uh, feel a bit better to know that we're all in the same boat and it then goes on to help you gain awareness around these different areas and then it goes into how to help yourself so some brilliant techniques in there to help hush that negative voice grow that kind of inner coach voice to 
to get some of those lingering emotions out in your emotional bucket. It's really helpful to um, be your authentic self in the world and some great techniques to really kind of take away that anxiety, calm, calm, bring some calm into your life. So, so kind of normalising the whole thing of saying, right, okay, we all feel like this sometimes and here are some ways that you can cope with it. Yeah. And it's, it's really practical. It's, it's an easy read. Like we've talked about, I didn't, I didn't want to write anything which was really psychobabbly. It's not a kind of who done it, something to read in a, in a couple of days. It's something to read over a period of time, which can really help implement these different practices and techniques in your life. Yeah. It, it's also not, not, not a silver bullet. It's not a, and this will, this will, change your life overnight it gives practice you're cured (laughs) (laughs) hallelujah oh i can't be doing with those self-help books that are like this is a magic bullet but it's got some really great practices in there which if you integrate in work with can really help your health and happiness levels and and that's that's what i do in counseling and that's what i wanted to put into the book yeah it's brilliant. So if you're listening to this and you can identify as being a bit of a people pleaser, a little bit of an overthinker, someone that struggles with anxiety and um, you need a little bit of extra help, then this is a really good book to, to get available on Amazon. And also, if you counsel people with those sorts of things, then this might be a good thing to put on potential reading lists if you recommend books to, to clients. So, um, yeah, it's a good book. It's a good book. Zoe, thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Thank you so much for giving us this time. It's an absolute pleasure talking to you. It always is. And it's great to see how well you're doing. I've always watched it. I'm always seeing what you're doing on Instagram. I always love pictures of Paddy and I love seeing what you're doing. It's absolutely fantastic. So if anybody wants to follow you, Instagram is the best place. So that's Zoe Hinnick. No, it's Zoe Clements Counselor. That's all. What's your website? zoeclements.co.uk cool and I've just changed it lovely and I will put the details below so go and check out Zoe's blog posts have a look at how she writes have a look at the really brilliant way she uses imagery and the way she uses story get some um, inspiration there and go and connect with her on Instagram Zoe thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure thank you I've really enjoyed our chat isn't Zoe wonderful I find her story just so inspiring. So if you've ever been held back by negative voices from your past, maybe it's time to re-explore those messages because as I always say, if you can talk, you can write and you could be in this position, the same position as Zoe, being able to write fabulous blog posts, even writing a book. How would that feel? So a massive thank you to Zoe. Zoe, thank you so much. And if you'd like to connect with Zoe on Instagram, search Zoe Clements Counselor and find the But I Should Be Fine book on Amazon and check out her amazing, unique blogs on her website. And I'll share all of those links below this recording. Okay, so that's about it for now. Although just to remind you, I do have a full course all about blogging called Blogging with Confidence available in the Grow Your Private Practice Club. So if you do want to dip your toe into blogging, that's a really good place for you to start. Also, have a listen to episode 18, which is called Seven Ways for Therapists to Find Blog Ideas, and you'll get some ideas from there. Okay, that's it for today. 
Now, the best places to find me are on Instagram. That's Grow Your Private Practice, all lowercase, no spaces. And just find me on LinkedIn. I'm called Jane Travis. So come and have a have a chat. Say hi. Have a fantastic week. And I really look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, then please subscribe to the show. And while you're there, I'd love it if you could leave me a big, shiny five-star review. Bye.